Welcome to the Green Acres Podcast. We are so glad you're here. At Green Acres, we strive to transform lives with the truth of Jesus. Today's message comes from Pastor Michael Gossett. Uh, If you have your Bible, open with me to Acts chapter 20. And we're going to talk about uh, this mission strategy that Paul has clearly given us. And he talks about going from house to house. Now, I don't know about you, but I love reading nonfiction. I actually even like watching nonfiction, okay? So uh, I read the same thing that I watch, really. I love watching old documentaries and, like, things that uh, I would love to do on a date night, you know, with my wife, and she just refuses to watch these World War II documentaries, all right? I don't get it, okay? It's thrilling, all right? But I love reading about uh, military history also. But I'll tell you, there's, you can see a significant difference when you have an author who is an expert in the field that has been field tested versus an author who is an expert in the field, um, but only based on theory, all right? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Um, you can tell a significant difference, not just in the way that they tell stories, although that is true, but also in the content itself. It's not that it's more or less trustworthy. It applies easier. Like you're never going to listen to a guy give you a weight loss program and write about it um, and you know, the person being overweight, like it doesn't make sense. You're never going to listen to somebody who talks about fitness um, and then they have never lifted before. They've never actually participated in fitness. Okay, there's a difference. We can all study theory, but unless you practice it yourself, you see, we cannot separate doxology from pragmatism. Um, we can't se- separate those two things. They go hand in hand. And I'll tell you, Christian literature is full of this. It's full of shiny, um, the you know, the get quick rich schemes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay. Uh, the same thing happens in the church world. I mean, you get, learn how to grow your church in 30 days. All right. Well, it hasn't been field tested. I promise you. And so we get caught up in some of these things sometimes. I'll tell you what, this is not one of those Sundays, by the way. So many times when we think about generosity, when we think about living on mission, it's kind of like this speech of what we should do in theory. Well, I'm telling you, Paul gives us an incredible example. You said the the way that Paul writes in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 24, when he gives us this missional strategy, it's been field tested. I I mean, uh, uh, Paul is the premier church planter. He's the one who was going around Asia Minor, starting new works, starting uh, bringing up, developing pastors and, and pouring into people. He's the premier league of church planting. He's the one who knows uh, the ins and outs of ministry. And and here's what he has done. He has given us a field-tested, a a biblically-tested strategy on how we should live our lives on mission. And he says we do it from house to house. Will you stand with me if you have your copy of God's Word? And we're going to read in Acts chapter 20.
Starting in verse 17, he says this. He says, now from um, Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church. When they came to him, he said to them, you know, from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and during the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews, you know that I did not hesitate to proclaim anything to you that was profitable and to teach you publicly and from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town, the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course in the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Will you pray with me? God, we ask, Lord, that you, by your spirit, would speak to us now. God, teach us how we are to live our lives. God, teach us how you want us to respond today. God, I pray that no person will walk out the same way they walked in. Father, that your spirit is working in every single one of us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Or you may be seated once again. You know, I want you to see that uh, we see all sorts of elements in this passage. Paul is on his third missionary journey, by the way, that started in Acts chapter 18. And, and this journey is a follow-up of his second missionary journey of where he started all of these churches. And now he is going back and he is bringing an offering to Jerusalem from all of the churches and to make sure that what was started will finish well. He goes back to all of these church planners. He goes back to all of these pastors. That's what it says that he summoned the elders. He summoned these leaders that he has put in place, that he has developed the works that they have started so that they may be strengthened, so that they may be encouraged, and that they may be equipped to continue in ministry. And Paul comes to this conclusion that he allows us uh, to really see a gospel-centered picture of if, if we want to make the greatest impact for the kingdom of God. And if I were to ask you, okay, who in here wants to make their life count? Like nobody is going to say, you know what? I would love it if I came to the end of my life and it just didn't matter. Nobody would say that. But usually... When you get to the end of your life, sometimes that causes us to reflect. It causes you to reflect on, okay, did I do everything possible to make my life count? Paul knows that his time on earth is nearing. It's coming to an end. He knows that even in his writing, that he knows that he's coming to Rome. He's about to be a prisoner of Rome. He's going to die in a Roman prison, right? We know that Paul's life is coming to an end, and it's almost like he's reflective in Acts chapter 20, maybe even introspective, because he wants to make sure the work that has started will continue. There's been a lot that, have, that has been started since 1955 here at Green Acres Baptist Church. 
There have been countless ministries started from you. There have been countless people who know Jesus because of the labor that you have put in, because of the generosity of people in the past. I say all the time that that we stand on the shoulder of generous giants. And for you and I, we now have the torch that God has said, continue on. You see, we don't just give offerings just to just, hopefully we can do some good. That's not how we function here. That hasn't been how we function since 1955, and it's not going to start now. We want to make the greatest impact possible. And Paul starts with, in verse 17, when he talks about the elders and Ephesus, the churches, and Miletus, and all of these things. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about these gospel-centered partnerships. And you know what's incredible about Green Acres? We have an opportunity for partnerships. There's not one person in this room that cannot say, you know what? I don't, I don't know what partner we should partner with. I don't know who we should give to. I don't know, because listen to this. Uh, we have countless partners here at Green Acres. But it starts with partnership within us. You see, there are internal partnerships and then there are external partnerships. All of them are bound together by the Spirit of God. All of them are centered on the truth of Jesus Christ. I mean, think about our internal partnerships. This is what church membership is, by the way. You know, church membership um, is something unique It's something special. There's nothing else like it on earth. That we are the only ones that can claim the uniqueness of this type of partnership. Because when you decide, when you say, you know, I want to be a member of Green Acres Baptist Church. Listen, it is not as if you are joining some country club and then you pay your monthly dues and then you get a vote. You get all of these things. No, 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 that is not how it works. When you become a a member of Green Acres Baptist Church, what you're doing is you're saying, I die to myself so that I may live with brothers and sisters in Christ so that the mission of God moves forward. It is locking arms in unity, bound together by the Spirit of God himself, centered on one mission, and that is to transform lives with the truth of Jesus. Nothing else. There are also partnerships in your connect groups. I mean, you think about it, the, the partnership of membership is great. I mean, we're locked arms. We're, we know where we're going. We know what we're centered on. We know why we exist. We get, we get all of that. But then when you get in a connect group, it goes even deeper. I mean, it, it becomes contextualized to your life specifically. You know, this is uh, incredible for our partners because all of our connect groups have different partners, This is why that we have gotten to see just this past year, over 75 people get baptized in our prison ministry. Over 200 in our prison ministry have given their life to Jesus, that they've been transformed by the truth of Jesus because of your partnerships. This is why that over 300 of our public safety first responders right here in East Texas, right here in Tyler, Smith County, White House, Bullard, Flint, these areas, over 300 of our first responders have been served. They've been given a care package in some way. This is why over 1,800 
Teachers and staff in those same areas have been given a gift. They've been given a card that says thank you. All of these things because of your partnerships through our connect groups. This is a really incredible impact. This is going from house to house. You see, you've been given a gift by God himself that you know the truth of Jesus. But it can't stay in your house. It has to go from your house to another house. This is what Paul is talking about in his design in the middle of our passage when he says from house to house. He's saying, listen, nobody can just keep this treasure to themselves. Jesus gives us that parable. He says, you can't do that. How are you going to steward the truth that you have been given? It has to go from house to house. You know where um, that really starts? From your home, inside your home, and to those uh, closest to you. From house to house. But what do we do when there's a house that is broken? What do we do if there is a house that maybe is not necessarily living out God's design and the house is broken up, all of those things, fragmented? This is why Green Acres has this incredible partnership with Hope for 100, with Fostering Collective, with Hand Up Network, with Bethesda Medical Clinic. All of these things are are in existence to help with the down and out. Those who are experiencing brokenness. Did you know that right now in East Texas, there are 2,000 children in our foster care system? Right here in Smith County, we have 265 kids in foster care and only 133 of them, uh, excuse me, only 133 foster families. What does this mean? Well, it means that we need more. It means that 80% of the kids in foster care have, a, have the challenge of being placed. And so 80% of those kids of 265 are displaced outside of East Texas. They have to go to another region where there is an opening in a foster home. That means they're uprooted from their friends. They're uprooted from their church if they're connected to one. They're uprooted from everything that they know. What if, what if we lived our lives in such a way? What if as a body of believers who are connected to each other, we're connected to Christ, we're focused on his mission. What if we as a church put a stake in the ground and said, you know what? Today that ends. What if you and I, as a body of believers, we're part of the solution that we would eradicate foster care in Smith County. What if then we had more people say, no, 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 well, I want to be involved. So then we start eradicating the need for foster care in East Texas. What if you and I lived our lives in such a way that when there was a problem anywhere close to this church, they knew that they should call us that we loved our city so well, that we loved our community so well, that there is no question of who we need to call. Hey, let's call Green Acres. I know they'll do something. Why? Because we are a surrendered people to Jesus. And guess what? It's not about Green Acres. 
This is why I love the partnerships that we are a part of here at Green Acres because there are so many times because of your faithfulness, because of your generosity, because of the way you serve, there are so many times that people are one to Christ there are so many times that, that people are flourishing, something happens, and guess what? Green Acres is never even mentioned because we serve with humility. This is why we constantly pray for other churches in our area. We pray for their pastors. We pray for their congregation. Why? Because it's about the kingdom of God. This is what partnerships are really all about. It's not so that we can grow here. Listen, if our goal was to grow our church, you and I are going to stand before God and be very disappointed. But if you and I say, you know what, I don't want to waste my life because I want to make the greatest impact for the kingdom of God. Guess what? You're going to stand before the Lord clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And he's going to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the millions of people who are around us who have no clue who Jesus is. It requires partnerships. Listen, you and I, we cannot do this by ourselves. We can't do it on our own. We need gospel-centered kingdom partners. But we also understand that this requires a unique perseverance. But we have an opportunity for perseverance. You know why? Because... Paul gives us these instructions that, that we can persevere. Look at the example that he gives us. He says this in Acts chapter 20, verses eight, uh, 18 and 19. He says, when they came to him, he said to them, you know, from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and during the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. You know, Paul is pressing pause here and saying, listen, I get it. I understand, I'm giving you instructions here on how to make the greatest impact for the kingdom of God. And I understand that you do not want to hear about anything else that you should add to your plate. I mean, does anybody hear that? I mean, does anybody get kind of sweaty just thinking about adding one more thing to your plate? Adding one more thing to, to give to financially? Adding one more thing that, that you just can't imagine adding to your calendar? I know that I feel that way, and I'm just going to be honest with you. As I was reading through this, I was just thinking to myself, how can, how can I stand before this church and ask them to do one more thing? They're, they're doing so much. How can I ask my family to do one more thing? We're so busy and all this. And I just felt like the Lord was just pressing into me, nothing audible, okay? Don't write me an email that I'm crazy, all right? I felt like the Lord was just pressing my spirit. I'm not asking you to add any more. I'm just asking you to, to do the one thing I told you to do. Oh, man, the, I was convicted. I'm going to tell you that. It's not what can we add. It's, God, what do you want me to get rid of so that I can have margin to do whatever you're calling me to do? What do I need to stop paying for so I can be more generous? What do I need to take off my calendar so that I have more time to serve as you're calling me to do? Listen, that is the question for you, and that is the question for me. It's not how can I do more. It's God, what do you want me to do? 
And that's it. That is the surrendered life. And guess what? So many of us, listen, it requires the perseverance that only the Spirit of God can give you. This is why Paul says in Galatians 6, 9, he says, let us not get tired. Other translations say, let us not grow weary of doing good. This is what Paul is saying. Listen, don't grow tired. Don't get tired of doing good things. Keep going. He says, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Say, don't give up. Press in and press on. Don't give up. Persevere. Run the race that God has put before you because it is worth it when you stand before Jesus. And all of this is so that we can proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, when you persevere in partnership, it opens up all kinds of opportunities for proclamation. I've said this many times, but we don't just do good works. Listen, we're not a humanitarian aid type of uh, congregation. We meet the physical needs of people so that we may understand and meet their spiritual needs that they will have eternally. You see, in one situation, you're putting a Band-Aid on. In another situation, listen, you are teaching them the eternal truth of Jesus Christ. Isn't this what Jesus did all the time? There was never a miracle that was detached from proclamation of the gospel. I mean, you think about him in Matthew chapter 14 when he's feeding the 5,000. I mean, listen, it's awesome to give somebody bread and fish. And you should do that. Although culturally, it's a little weird if you did that today. But I'm just saying, if you feed someone, give them a meal, that's great. But if that's all you do, if that's all I do, well, they're fed today and they're damned tomorrow. We got to understand that compassion will always run parallel with proclamation. And compassion opens the door to hear proclamation. You know, so many times God uses your good deeds to soften people's hearts so that the Spirit of God may penetrate their heart with his truth as you proclaim it. But see, we have to be cautious here that we don't don't detach from one or the other. You see, Jesus fed the 5,000, but then he told him, he said, but I know you're going to be hungry again tomorrow. I fed you today. But I need you to understand this truth that I am the bread of life. When he talked to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, he didn't say, hey, let me give you some water. He said, I'm going to give you the water of life. He says, if you would just drink of me, you would never thirst again. If you just eat of the Lord, you will never be hungry again. Complete satisfaction. See, that's why we have to attach our proclamation of the truth of Jesus Christ with good deeds, with compassion. One of them hand in hand, running parallel with one another. And if we do this, we have an opportunity to fulfill our purpose. Look at what verse 24 says. It says, but I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. You see, this is how you don't waste your life. This is how you don't waste your time, waste your resources. 
I consider my life of no value to myself. But like Paul, he says, I want to live out my purpose in everything that I do. It doesn't matter the context. I want the gospel from my house to go to your house and to their house and to the ends of the earth. He said, this is what it looks like to go house to house. This is the purpose of Jesus. This is why we say all the time, we talk about transforming lives with the truth of Jesus. Listen, it's not a pithy statement that we just hang on the wall. This is our purpose. This is why we live. This is why we exist as a church so that we can connect people to Jesus and his church so that they may grow in the likeness of Jesus and so that we may multiply for the purpose of Jesus Christ and his purpose alone. What have you done? What can you do? to make sure that you are fulfilling your purpose in Jesus. What is it that you need to surrender? What is it that you need to give up? You know, many of you are thinking, okay, well, how can I help? Well, there's a card in each of your seats. And there's a QR code on there. You can click on it or do a photo. I don't know, you young kids know what's up. But whatever you do with QR codes, you can look at it. Or you can just fill it out. We'll have people in the back. You can drop it off in a receptacle in the back. But I want you to contemplate, okay, God, what, what are you calling me to do in this? Green Acres has a big vision. If you're new to our church, then you may not have heard this, but we have, a, we have three numbers that we talk about, and it's 10, 10, 10, okay, one number three times. We are praying that over the next 10 years that we have 10,000 baptisms in 10 uh, campuses. Why? Because we want to do exactly what Paul says. We want the gospel of Jesus to go from this house to their house. We want to make sure that people know Jesus Christ and where there is no option, where there is no church, we want to go there and we want to start new works. We want to strengthen current works and we want to empower the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we're going to start right here in Tyler. We're going to start right here in East Texas and we're going to make sure that people know Jesus. There was this one story that I read. It was the end of World War II and they had... 23 uh, U.S. military um, flying in an operation, and it crashed in New Guinea. There are only three survivors. Well, they had to go get these three survivors. They kind of had an idea of where they were, and so they called the 1st Recon Battalion. Walter is the leader of this. Walter goes to all 66 of them. And he talks about the situation. Hey, there are three survivors. They're not going to make it long. We have reports that they're already suffering from gangrene and malnourishment. We got to go get them quick. But he tells them three problems. He says, the problem with, listen, and I understand if nobody wants to go, I get it. But, but we need 10 volunteers to go and get them out of this 66. And he says, the first problem is this. The area that they are is marked unknown on all of our maps. Number two, um, we don't really know how to fly in to drop you off. Number three, if we do actually get you dropped off, uh, there will be hostile 
tribes surrounding you with cannibalistic activity. Activity. But then he saved the worst for last. He said the fourth thing is that we have no plan or no understanding of how we can get you out. It's interesting because of the first recon, they have this motto, they have this saying. It's Bahalana. It's Filipino for come what may. And they said this over and over again. Listen, come what may. Listen, it's a trust that we're going to do our best and leave the rest up to the Lord. That's what they said in First Recon. And so without question, the, the commander, Walter, he comes to him and says, listen, I understand if you don't want to go. Here's the problem. Here's what's going on. I, I understand if you don't want to go. And every single one, all 66 of those guys, they took a step forward and they said, Bahalana. They... They want to fulfill their purpose. This is what they were created for. This is what they were designed for. This is what they felt in First Recon. They said, this is our job, and so we're going to do it. And listen, I can just hear the words of the Lord in the same way. It was like Jesus was constantly trying to talk people out of following him. He says this in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He says, then he said to them all, he said, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. It's almost as if Jesus is lining up his disciples. He's saying, look, here's the problem. There are people who don't know Jesus. You're going to go behind enemy lines. And I need you to rescue them. And listen, I understand if you don't want to do it, because you're going to have to take up your cross. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be easy. But the good thing about the plan of Jesus is he knows exactly how to get us in and he knows exactly how to get us out. You know, Jesus tells him as he is about to depart and ascend, he says that you are gonna have all of the power that you need. I'm gonna send you my helper. And so he's not sending us behind the enemy lines with no help. He's saying, I'm gonna be with you even to the end of the age. I'm never gonna leave you. I'm never gonna forsake you. And oh, by the way, listen, we have a rescue plan for you. I'm gonna return. And if I return, I'm gonna draw my bride unto myself and I have a place waiting for you. Don't you worry. I know you're going on this mission, but you're going to come back with me. Don't worry. And every single one of his disciples, they stood forward. You know, you could just see it in your mind. Jesus, we're with you. And the question is, are you? If Jesus is standing before us right now and he's calling us to this mission, are we going to step forward and say, Bahalanah, Jesus, I'm all yours. I give you everything. I count my life of no value to myself. I just want to live out your purpose in my life. Can you say that today? I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. And I want you to contemplate. I want you to contemplate that surrender to the Lord right now. What can you do what are you withholding from Jesus? What is it that God is calling you to do? What trip to take? How to give? Is God calling you to foster? Is God calling you to help with foster families, to babysit? 
Is God calling you to give to this ministry? Is God calling you to give to the world mission offering? Is God calling you to go whatever it is? But maybe for some of you, you know that you're not in the game, you're not in the mission because you have never given your life to Jesus. Today is the day of salvation to surrender your life. The Bible says that anyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. You call in the name of the Lord right now. Ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sin. And he will wash you clean. Heavenly Father, this is your time. Lord, will you speak? And God, would you give us the courage today to respond? Whatever it is, give us the clarity and understanding of what you want us to do. Father, thank you for such an incredible church family that we get to love on each other, that we get to encourage each other and spur one another along in good works so that we may persevere in our partnership, so that we may proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and fulfill our purpose in you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Hey, thank you for joining us today with our church family here at Green Acres Baptist Church. And this invitation is for you. Maybe God is stirring in your heart right now from what you have heard. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe God is calling you right now for salvation. You know, the Bible is very clear that if we uh, confess with our mouth and if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that you will be saved. And so right now you could pray a very simple prayer and just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life and save me. If that's you today, we wanna help you and walk with you with this decision. Maybe for others of you, uh, maybe you've been saved, but maybe you've been waiting to get baptized. Uh, maybe you need to figure out what it means to be a member of our church here at Green Acres. Whatever that decision is, we want to come alongside you. And so do us a favor. You can fill out the Connect card at gabc.org, and one of our team members will be with you very shortly. Whatever it is that God has laid on your heart, we want to walk with you in your growth in Jesus Christ. I look forward to hearing from you soon.